0: Hi, this is Bianca and this is Anna, your hosts of Girl Talk Mondays podcast, where we discuss the world of fashion, self-confidence and everything in between. In this new series, we interview inspiring women making a mark in their fields, whether that be business leaders, CEOs, marketeers or entrepreneurs. We want to share their success stories with you. So welcome to Girl Talk Mondays. Mondays. this week's episode, we're joined by guest Owen Golding, award-winning London-based milliner who designs couture headpieces for modern women. Born and raised in Hong Kong and following a career as a fashion writer and magazine editor, she eventually moved to London to pursue her dream of millinery. Having designed exquisite couture headpieces for Meghan Markle, Kylie Minogue, Lady Gaga, amongst others, she gained herself a reputation and a loyal following of global icons. Most recently, Awan became head millinery designer for Lock & Co., one of the world's oldest and most prestigious hat shops. We discuss where her love for fashion first came from, her inspirations behind each collection, the cultural heritage of millinery in Britain, and the most memorable pieces she has designed. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're really excited to have you on our podcast and to talk about your experience and your career. So maybe let's start off with the question, where did your love for fashion and in particular for couture headpieces first come from?
1: Well, thank thank you very much for having me. Um, It's nice to see your face again. (laughs) Um, So yeah, hats. Um, I've always kind of been into wearing men's hats actually, so Like way back, so I grew up in Hong Kong um, and it's not really kind of, I guess back in the 90s when I was like a teenager, um, it wasn't really like a fashion capital as such. um, So you really kind of had to create your own look and feel from what was available there. And obviously, I guess like global brands weren't really available in Hong Kong at that point. So as a young teenager, I was quite into, you know, putting on a fedora or a flat cap or something. And I think that was like an easy way of kind of expressing some individuality back when you really are trying to like stamp your identity. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it kind of started then. Um, but also like my mom used to um, order hats online. She was like mail order hats from America. So, you know, which is, you know, crazy to think that that's like how you would have to buy them. But, you know, this giant box like would arrive in Hong Kong and we lived on like an outlying island. So like to get to where we lived it was like a, a an hour long ferry ride so you know this like you can imagine the journey that this hat has like taken from america all the way to this little oh, island yeah. in hong kong <laughs> <laughs> you know and i would help her like unpack this box and you know this this little hat would come out of it and it was really quite like an amazing yeah amazing thing you know this kind of beautiful object from mm-hmm. the other side of the world so i think that that's definitely kind of it started part of
0: with it, like a personal Yeah, you're right about that.
1: Yeah so um, yeah that was kind of what set me on the road I think to millinery mm-hmm. and enjoying it.
0: So you started your career in Hong Kong as a fashion editor and magazine writer what made you then decide to move into millinery and how did you first get started in the magazine industry in the first place what was your experience like doing that and why did you decide to change?
1: Sure um, so I've always been a bit of a jack of all trades master of none. Mm-hmm. <laughs> with a very broad degree and i went back to hong kong to go home essentially and start like you know figuring out what it is i wanted to do so i've had lots and lots of different jobs um i was a game designer for two years so yeah like i was designing barbie games educational games and uh you know then i worked for Forn arena um an italian fashion brand so doing some kind of um you know like different kind of admin things for them so there's always kind of been like a little bit of a creative thread through all these jobs but um this new magazine opened up in Hong Kong called um, Juice, which is like a regional publication in um, in Asia. So it was in Singapore and Indonesia. It was kind of like a youth street culture magazine. And that was like the first time that anything like that had opened up in Hong Kong. So I like leapt at this opportunity to kind of get on board with that because it was so cool. It was really, it felt fresh. And initially, um, I was taken on board as the uh, fashion and features writer, editor. So um, I was styling, um, but I was also writing about, you know, a bit of everything, really. So I was covering, like, the club scene, you know, art, music. So once again, master of...
0: (laughs) None, <laughs> yeah it was very diverse but it's interesting yeah. to have that experience because then you discover what you love as well and you're well-rounded
1: yeah and I think that this idea of knowing what you want to do from like the get-go is not really mm. the case with most people Definitely. you know maybe if you're a doctor you obviously you know from the beginning because you have to train for so many years mm-hmm. and it's a very singular path but I think you know, when you're creative and you are creating your own business, like I'm an entrepreneur as well. Like mm-hmm. I set up my own business. You have to have very multifaceted skills. Mm-hmm. And, um, you Definitely. know, the writing that I did in this magazine job, like has really helped me now. And just like, you know, the kind of graphic design skills I picked up then as well. Like, mm-hmm. it's, you know, I have to do my own website. So everything kind of, you know, it's filtered through me. Like I would 100% say that anyone that's looking to, you know, or is worrying about what, I don't know what to do. It's just, you know, try out lots of different things. And you can kind of take skills from every job you have mm-hmm. and, and apply them to the end goal.
0: I think that is very true. There's no, by no means do you have to pick a career and stay there your entire life. Yeah. If you develop passions in something else, then what's to say you cannot transition and do that as well? And if you're really you have the motivation and you're willing to learn, even if you don't necessarily have the skill, then that just goes to show how hardworking you are. But so after yeah. doing your multifaceted career, <laughs> <laughs> um, getting into millinery, did you already know how to design hats and make hats? And how did you go about with this? Did you study?
1: Um. So okay. So basically, somewhere along the line. Obviously, I was wearing hats anyway, I was kind of styling pieces and stuff, um, and I always had a fascination with them, Mm -hmm. Um, and it it, it was actually my stepbrother's wedding about, I don't know, 15, 16 years ago or something. It was my first English wedding that I was going to, um, and I had this real idea in my mind that I had to wear a hat for it. And this is probably four weddings and a funeral. <laughs> it's really I put that yeah, on me in my head. I, was yeah. like, I need to look like Andy McDowell.
0: <laughs> I know that's what everyone assumes it's like. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, you know, I I came to England with my mom, and we were, like, looking around the shops and stuff, and I was like, actually, none of these hats are, they're, like, made for older ladies kind of thing. It was very frumpy. Mm. I
0: couldn't
1: actually find anything I liked or could afford, so I ended up just making something myself, and um, I guess that was the first, like, hat or headpiece that I'd ever made. And, I mean, you know, looking back at it, it was totally crap. It was (laughs) like a little, like... Flower with some dangly bits on it, but it, it fit the like occasion and I got quite a few compliments on it as well. So I was like, oh, this is interesting. Mm. Um, yeah, so that was kind of the first piece I ever made. And I guess that sowed the seeds of millinery in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I kind of, I, I've been back in Hong Kong for maybe 10 years or something at this point, and I was like really looking for a new challenge. And I wanted to move, and I wanted to experience something different and kind of grow as a person. So I was like, right, okay, I've set my heart on London. Yeah, I I had started researching into, like, different millinery courses. um, Because London really is the heart of millinery, like, around the world. Mm -hmm. It's where the best millinery designers are. And, you know, I kind of had this in my mind. Like, if you can make it in London, you can make it anywhere. Mm -hmm. You know, this kind of, like, mantra. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's super um, yeah. interesting to know that London is the heart of it.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's still the capital, like, the hat capital of the world. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I mean, I'm sure you're very aware of, like, British culture. Mm-hmm. Like, hats are still kind of a thing that people wear definitely. for weddings. yeah. You know, and events and stuff. You know, people like to dress up here. So that was kind of, you know, I started my education in London. Um, it was a one-year millinery course, like, kind mm-hmm. of intensive. Then I started doing internships, and it was all just about building my kind of network in the industry and also just my skill base too. Yeah, and slowly applying that as I kind of grew as a, a designer.
0: So your first experience then coming out of a uh, millinery school, did you set up your own business right away?
1: Um, I mean, like, obviously I had a label at that point.
0: Yeah. You know?
1: <laughs> but was it successful at that point? No. Mm-hmm. You know, but it was still, I was starting to make hats for... Um, you know, friends, and then they tell people, and then you your client base starts to grow from that. You know, mm-hmm. um, but it's very much like a learning process. I'm still learning. I'm still educating myself in hats. I don't think that that kind of journey ever stops. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I'm still building the brand as such. But yeah, I guess you know, I had my my name at the end of it, and I was like, yes, I'm a, I'm a <laughs> milliner now after <laughs> one year. <laughs> but yeah, Crazy it's, it's kind of. Yeah, I think like half of it is actually just having the confidence to believe Mm -hmm. that you can do it as well. So, Mm -hmm. you know, each year that goes by, I'm like, yes, I am a milliner.
0: (laughs) Well, yes. And you recently also became head milliner designer for one of the oldest and most prestigious hat companies in England, Lock & Co. So how has that experience been for you so far?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's been incredible. I mean, the, the whole kind of process of even meeting them and being invited to take this position was really like a pinch me moment. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think that with, I don't know, I'm I'm quite kind of, sometimes I just, I don't know, I just kind of, I go through things quite organically in terms of my own business. I just like, you know, I make a collection, I build my clients and it's all, you know, you don't really have perspective Mm because you don't step back from it. Mm -hmm. So I think this was the first time that I really got some perspective of, myself as a designer I'm like wow this really incredible brand with so much heritage has found me and likes what I do Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it was really like a it was a good seal of approval yeah a a confidence booster let's say definitely Um, it's just yeah I don't know you know having the confidence to kind of accept that sometimes I don't know It's, Mm -hmm. it's a little difficult but Yeah, no, they're an an amazing business. Um, They have the oldest hat shop in the world, so they're still in the same building um, in St James since 1648, I think the the number is. Wow, um, amazing! I mean, it's it's amazing. Like you have to come down. um, When obviously lockdown is finished, Mm -hmm. we're open again. But um, I'll show you around. It's just there's so much history in the building, Um, and just you know having kind of that as like the place that I work, you know, two days a week is really incredible. I'm trying to absorb as much kind of, Mm -hmm. you know, the, you know, the energy there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And alongside then making hats for your personal clients and for your own business.
1: Yes. Yes. So I'm doing two days a week there and then the rest of the time is um, at my own studio, which is Mm -hmm. here in Bow, so East London, um, which I've kind of, I'd like, I'm glad that I'm kind of maintaining the two identities. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, obviously I've built up my own brand all these years and it's very important to me, it's very personal to me, Mm -hmm. Um, but then this Locke & Co. um, thing, this position is like another challenge. It's like, how do I apply my own personal aesthetic to another existing aesthetic? Mm -hmm. And how like, you know, that challenge of marrying those two things together. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I mean, like, I'm still learning about Locke and how to, and the Locke customer base, actually, because Mm -hmm. obviously their customer base is very, very well established. Um, And I have to uphold that kind of quality and, um, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of, I mean, obviously bring my own flair to it, but still have a very lock feel to it. Mm -hmm.
0: How does Um, it differ then to creating for yourself in terms of the creative process? Is it a lot longer? Do you have to be a lot more meticulous? How does it differ in terms of the fabrics or materials that you use?
1: I mean, obviously now I've done... Two collections for Locke. So it's been a spring summer and an autumn winter, and mm-hmm. um, the autumn winter isn't out yet. Obviously, we just shot it before lockdown. Actually, mm-hmm. um, it it's quite similar in the way that um, I guess I start with a color palette. I find that's like okay. the place, the easiest place to start for me. Um, I guess colors resonate quite a lot with like my design. Anyway, I would say that because of Locke's like heritage, um, it's a little bit more of a classic customer. Whereas I would say that my customer or my fancy customers are a little bit younger, maybe. And I would say like creative industry, maybe that's an easier way of summing them up. Mm-hmm. Um, so you do have these kind of two distinct kind of demographics. But also, I mean, Locke has a really huge back catalogue of shapes and um, styles that they've already created. So I kind of was taking some of those pieces and updating them. And that was like a way of kind of marrying my, my style with their style. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know, we'll see. Like, I think each season will be me establishing myself more as, like, a designer there, but also figuring out what my place is within the fabric of Lock & Co. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, super interesting to know that, actually. And in terms of where you look at for your inspiration, then um do you look at well obviously the culture in britain is so important british people they love to go out there's like the royal ascot there are weddings um i just think it's something that we see quite a lot when i moved to london i noticed that definitely so you get your inspiration from like any women in particular or any key events where does this come from
1: i mean i as i said like i start generally from like color Mm -hmm. um i find that that especially it's it's very unifying um Way of bringing a collection together and making it feel cohesive. Mm-hmm. Um, so, generally, with like a spring summer collection, I'm aiming to do about twenty hats okay. in general.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so, yeah, I would start. Like, I find that vintage images are really amazing mm-hmm. to look at as well because you know hats really had their heyday in like the forties and fifties mm-hmm. when it was very much etiquette. Um, every woman and every man had to have a hat, or else you weren't seen as like you know good company. Mm-hmm. Um, So um, you look back then and like, they were just, you know, they had some incredible shapes. So it's kind of, it's taking inspiration from the past. It's taking inspiration from now in terms of materials and kind of melding those things together um, while still uh, kind of maintaining my own, I guess, aesthetic. Mm -hmm. And that's like, that's always the challenge, I guess. It's it's having that, like the me thread running through everything Mm -hmm. and trying to be true to like my own kind of design.
0: I think as well, like feeling confident in what you wear, and this goes to show about fashion and clothes, but also about accessories. And I'm someone being in the fashion industry, I love to accessorize, and I feel like my outfit is not complete without the good accessory, whether it's like jewelry or in a nice handbag or a headpiece. Like, I love headbands, especially, actually. It's been such a big trend over the last couple of seasons. I don't know if, from your opinion, that's something that's here to stay permanently. Um, but I do think that like what you wear is how you define yourself. So empowering women is like, a big thing as well through fashion. and how do you feel that you and like empower the women that you style with your headpieces?
1: Yeah, so I think that kind of the idea of empowerment definitely comes from the confidence uh, of someone within a space. Mm-hmm. So it's having the confidence to be there and having the comfort to be there too. Feeling comfortable within that space. Um, so, I mean, those are two things that I always aim for with any, you know, kind of commission that I do with people, you know, because ultimately they have to be comfortable in what they're wearing and they have to be confident in what they're wearing because if they're not, it really shows, um, especially with a hat because it's not an accessory that many people wear these days or on a daily basis. A lot of the time, like my customers say like I'm a mother of a bride, like she's buying this amazing piece for this really special occasion. She wants to look, you know, incredible she probably hasn't worn hats much mm. so it's kind of figuring out what's like gonna work for her on the day um, and I try never to like force anything on people like my commissioning process is very much um, collaborative so they usually like my customer my client would come to my studio they try on lots of pieces I usually say actually what is the first piece on my website that you felt like why did you contact me which one did you mm-hmm. like first and mm-hmm. generally like Their gut instinct is like what was right. So yeah, I think comfort and and confidence are like the two definite things that, like, with any fashion, Mm -hmm. you really have to kind of you have to feel like you own what you're wearing, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. You have to feel confident in what you're wearing, and if like wearing a beautiful headpiece. For me, like wearing something beautiful on your head, it's kind of like wearing a crown and you feel yeah. really special when you're going to like an event or a wedding and you look amazing and you've got this big headpiece and it even dates back to like 18th century and Marie Antoinette when they had like huge hair and it's also kind of a sign of, yeah, like feeling confident in yourself because it is like yeah. a statement piece at the end of the day. But I don't know, maybe how do you like decide on um, different trends or like different key pieces is it kind of like classic depends on what the customer wants or are you influenced by like trends what's going on in the industry as well
1: I mean, like, yeah, you know, you you mentioned headbands, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I would say that this probably is one of the biggest trends to hit millinery (laughs) since, I don't know, it's just, it's everywhere. And I, you know, we kind of say it's like the Kate Middleton effect, Mm. right? Because, like, she was really pioneering these, like, a couple years ago or something. Um, And it's everywhere now, you know? Um, So, I mean, in general, I wouldn't say that, like, I follow trends as such, but then there's all these these movements that you cannot ignore as well mm-hmm. so headbands yeah. um and yeah I do think that it's going to be around for a while I think that now it's been normalized again to wear something like that you know and there's ways of interpreting that trend differently for every season right it doesn't have to just be like a headband that it can be something different mm-hmm. um so yeah I mean I think that millinery as an industry is a little bit of like a kind of offshoot from like main fashion anyway I don't think that we are dictated so much by color or you know, whatever, like um, fabrics. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that we can be a little bit more playful, um, and I think that, yeah, I think that uh, as milliners, anyway, we are slightly more on the artistic side. Mm-hmm. You can be quite avant-garde. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like to think that I'm not too prescribed. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's quite a nice thing about it too, because then that also means, like you said, for Lock and Co, you you produce two collections a year, so it's not. Yeah that fast paced because of the fact that they are like long lasting and classic pieces and yes. they're beautifully well made and yeah it's just like an art piece on your head essentially but so you've also had the privilege to make pieces and style for lady gaga and megan markle amongst others which is an yeah. incredible achievement for having done millinery for not even that many years at the end of the day <laughs> um, so how has that made you feel about your work and also is there any, like favorite headpiece that you have designed in your career and who was it for?
1: Yeah Um. yes yeah, so I've been really lucky in my career to have kind of worked with like incredible people celebrities but also icons and, and stylists as well um, yeah I mean the Lady Gaga thing was that was the first like big celebrity that ever wore one of my pieces and I was just you know it was, it was like mind-blowing
0: yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a pretty yeah. great start for being the first celebrity. Yeah,
1: <laughs> and she's, like, so known for her headpieces, right? Yeah, I mean, it yeah. was, like... Because you know, I think every milliner, well, of my of my generation anyway, um, you know, they look at Philip Tracy as, like, the godfather, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously Lady Gaga is, like, a massive Philip Tracy mm-hmm. fan. Yeah, so yeah. to be part of that group, I was like, what? This is so cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously... Meghan Markle was really I would say that was like a, that was a definite highlight career highlight was working with her on that so because um, she wore it for the um Christmas day at Sandringham uh 2018 and so my my husband went out on Christmas day and bought every single newspaper he could find yeah because the picture was like on the front page of like everything yeah, it's like, amazing. yeah so very very privileged um to kind of have all of these experiences. Yeah, I do. Like, So my favorite headpiece um, is from my first ever co- uh, commercial collection. So mm-hmm. this was Spring Summer 14. Okay. was my first real, like, okay, I am a brand. Let mm-hmm. me put this out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's my ice cream hat. I don't know if you've oh,
0: seen it. Oh, I that. haven't seen it. <laughs> what does oh it God, look
1: I'm, like? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> so it's, is it as it's literal like, as o- the word? <laughs>
1: yeah, literally. It's like a big um, ostrich pom pom. Um, Mm -hmm. and I've got a a single scoop or a double scoop. (laughs) Um, yeah, like that, it's really fun. I mean, it really kind of sums up like what I love about hats, which is just like, it's fun, it's frivolous, it's whimsical. It doesn't have to be serious and you look great at it. Mm -hmm. You know, it really, um, so that was the, that was my favorite piece, um, ever, I'd say. And it was from my first collection. It was all—it was inspired by um, a holiday I had to Italy. So the whole thing was based around uh, gelato. So it was all pastel colors and everything. Anyway, I put together the photographs and the lookbook and everything. And um, I was contacted by Liberty buyers. Um, so yeah, they were the first stockist that I ever had um, in London. Well, yeah, London actually. And it was kind of, you know, putting a real stamp of approval mm-hmm. from that first kind of collection.
0: Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I'd massive say that, success. Uh, Liberty is huge. <laughs> so it's amazing to be picked up by such like a world renowned brand, and especially in the UK, it's, you can't yes. really get better from Liberty.
1: Liberty was yeah, it was amazing. Unfortunately, they don't have their hat department anymore.
0: Oh um, not
1: such a shame.
0: But are you are you stocked yes. in Fenwick as well?
1: Yes, Fennec, yeah. Um, so yeah, I've kind of I've had a few different stockers here in London. So I was in Fortnum Mason and then now yeah. Fennec. Um, okay. so yeah, it's great. It's it's nice to have a physical location because obviously I've only got mm-hmm. my studio, um, which is a little rough around the edges and it's more of a creative space. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not really a boutique, mm-hmm. but so it's nice to see my hats, you know, on in a gorgeous boutique setting. Yes. Um, I think it like, <laughs> brings them alive,
0: definitely. Yeah, it's beautiful to see your pieces finally like displayed as well. Talk us through the design process a little bit of creating a hat and how long does it take for each piece? I guess it's depends on how complicated or elaborate the piece is, but kind of generally, how do you start?
1: Um so if someone is looking to commission a hat for an event, um I usually say at least kind of 6 weeks mm-hmm. um and that's you know, especially if it's like for a wedding piece, like I'd even say more time than that, you know, like I mean, you're planning your weddings generally months in advance anyway, six weeks, four to six weeks, let's say. Um, and that's time for you to come in, um, try on lots of different pieces. Uh, we can talk about color swatches from your dress, maybe matching or contrasting. Um, so it's a whole design process that goes with it mm-hmm. that you kind of do hand in hand with the, the clients. And then the actual making process, I mean, you know, it. Could, how long is a piece of string? Um, it depends if it's based on a collection piece that I've already made or if it's mm-hmm. completely something unique and new and bespoke for that client. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, obviously, ascot hats can really go pretty nuts, pretty crazy, yeah. pretty out there. Yeah. Um, so those are going to take longer, mm-hmm. um, especially if there's like a lot of kind of couture elements to it, like beading or embroidery and that kind of thing. So, yeah, if you want to commission a hat for me, I'd say four weeks is probably like a good good Mm -hmm.
0: thing to aim for. Mm -hmm. Amazing. And you also do some charity work, though. You were involved in, now I can't remember the name, but it was a calendar for dogs, to rescue dogs, (laughs) and you design hats for them and shot images, and yeah, it was beautiful, so... Maybe you can tell us a little bit about your passion for animals and also doing charity with relation to your work.
1: Sure. Um. So it, the project is called Oat Dogs. Mm-hmm. Um. So kind of play on hot dogs. Um. And it was really inspired by my my rescue dog Stevie. Um. Mm-hmm. That we got from a charity called all dogs matter um i mean i'm probably torturing her by putting hats on her every day <laughs> <laughs> but she seems to enjoy it it's the cutest
0: thing <laughs> so, dogs with hats it's so adorable
1: she's my muse <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh,
1: yeah so that was kind of where it came from really was you know me enjoying kind of dressing my dog up and i was like actually this is really cute and i could see you know and she's she's a staffordshire bull terrier um, and she's a rescue so she looks a little bit like a butch kind of rough around the edges dog <laughs> and like the way that some people react to her just based on looks it like really breaks my heart because she's yeah. such a softie yeah um so like that, that was kind of the inspiration for the project as well was like how can we soften the look and um, then make these rescue dogs really lovable and show them to be like you know they gorgeous loving animals that they are Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah that was the first project was two years ago um, and I got 12 milliners 12 of the best milliners so Philip Tracy made one Mm -hmm. Um, we had Rachel Trevor Morgan Edwina Ibbotson um, you know people I've looked up to forever Um, so everyone made this beautiful couture hat for themed after each month of the year Mm -hmm. And we got these um, ex-rescue dogs in, so they'd all been adopted from this one charity. Um, and that year, I raised over £12,000, wow. um, which, yeah, was just really great. Um, everyone was very supportive of the project. Um, and then we did it again next, last year for um, Dogs on the Streets, which is another charity that um, helps homeless people and their dogs on the streets by giving veterinary care and food and everything. Um, and this year, we are doing it again. and. We're Working with Wild at Heart, oh yeah, um, I know that. Yeah, amazing charity, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and they actually they connect uh, rescue dogs like around the world with people around the world. So they will fly the dog to you know America or UK or something. Oh, they give them amazing.
0: a home. That's amazing. Yeah. That's such a nice initiative as well to always like do good. And um, you found a really creative way to do this. So yeah, I'm, I'm literally combining
1: two of my biggest passions: yeah. which is hats and dogs. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Doesn't sound no, too bad at all.
1: Only if I could cake in that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, amazing. <laughs> Maybe let's end on what has been your most memorable moment working in this industry so far? I'm sure it's hard uh, to name one, but you've had many. <laughs> but if you could decide on one.
1: A memorable moment, I think, has definitely been the lock and co. You know, just getting that first kind of phone call and you know when they said like we'd love for you to be we'd love for you to be the head millinery designer Mm -hmm. Um, I think that that really is taking my business up one notch Mm -hmm. and um, yeah it's just to be part of that kind of history and heritage and you know prestige is really incredible and I I have to always remind myself to kind of be in that moment and just appreciate it Mm -hmm. I think that you know we've got so many things going on in our lives right now that we don't appreciate enough so I'm just yeah I think that was
0: definitely amazing for sure and I remember attending one of your launch events we were just talking about this earlier but um I don't (laughs) know if it was your very first was it your very first launch event your first collection for them yeah yeah Yeah. so it was at Annabelle's and it was during London Fashion Week I believe it was around that time and um Yeah. yeah beautiful setup beautiful hats I don't have my headband with me now it's in London but it was gorgeous I, I still love wearing it although I feel a bit like you know excessive when I wear it because <laughs> it feels like a crown <laughs> but um yeah amazing headpieces in evening and it, it's quite nice that you were able to do that to celebrate like your joining with Lock & Co and showcasing your collection and yeah it's yeah. it's nice definitely to have like a company you work with and you feel like both your styles combined work really well together and you can create magic and are Yeah, it's something you're passionate about.
1: Yeah, I'm 100% for being there for that. It really was, that was like a, it was a very emotional evening for me. <laughs> you know, it just meant so much. I didn't mean to cry,
0: but I did. <laughs> it's definitely well-deserved. <laughs> well, amazing. Thank you yeah. so much for coming on our podcast. Lastly, where can everyone find you?
1: Um, so the best place to find my pieces is my website, um, so awangolding.com, Um, but I also try and kind of keep my Instagram really updated with any other little cool projects I'm doing, um, mm-hmm. so that's just at Awan Golding. Mm-hmm. Um and through there you can probably find my, my dog, uh, oh, Charity, yeah.
0: That yeah. Well. so it's it's Oat Dogs Calendar. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you so much for joining us thank i you. love the conversation i hope i get to see you soon and yeah. wear more beautiful You're pieces back in london. yeah thank when i'm so back much. in london but thank you and i'll speak to you soon I'll speak to you soon stay safe